Pink Grandeur in YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Silver Scene Review Show. Um, I've just come off recording episode two of the Silver Scene podcast. Um, this is an extension show to the Silver Scene, where every week I'll review a new film that has released. If there's no new film, I'm, I'll review something. I'll review, I'll review a retro film I've never seen before, or that has some significance to the date. Maybe it's an anniversary or something. Um, but this week's extension show is um, a review of Martin Scorsese's new anticipated work, Killers of the Flower Moon. So, um, as I said, this is a Martin Scorsese film. He is credited as writing the screenplay for this film, which he doesn't do very often. When he does, he tends to win the Oscar for the film for Best Picture, um, or Best Screenplay. So, um, this shows he is very confident in this film. Um, The cast includes Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone, Brendan Fraser makes a brief appearance in the film as well. Um, ooh, oh, there's another one. He's briefly escaped my... Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, uh, who isn't the the same uh, name as the others, other actors that I've just mentioned and actresses. Um, but you should know him from uh, Breaking Bad um, and El Camino. You'll know him when you see him. He has a very rec- very dis- distinct, recognisable face. Um, and he's very good at making you feel... Like... Calm and safe, but also... Unnerved. And you, you feel a bit... Can I, can I trust him? Um, but either way... Um, the synopsis of this film... or how I would, this, this film, basically, is based on a true American story... Um, about the Osage um, Native American tribe... And how um, they were given really, really poor land to, to live off. You know, it'd be they say in the film multiple times, it's the worst land you could have, basically. Um, but there was a positive. They had an extremely high amount of oil on this land. And so they get a thing called head rights, which, if I'm uh, correct in assuming, is that each family of the Osage tribe on this land um, basically uh, gets a percentage of the revenues generated from that land to them. And because oil is very profitable, the film's set in the uh, just after World War I, um, so the 1920s, uh, early, oh, late 1910s. Um, and so they have these uh, these head rights and because of that, oil companies are coming in. They take in the oil, but you know they get a percentage of the revenue, so it's an expensive, you know, uh, commodity oil. And so they make a lot of money. So these Osage, uh, Osage natives, become really rich from this. And it's a true story about a, a bunch of murders that happen, where these white families um, and men and you know just uh, men, women, businessmen are coming across to Osage Nation, the reservation that they live on. And they're, um, or it, there's a group of people who the film follows who are trying to weasel them way, the way into the family through marriage and through friendships to get the rights 
to basically take their head rights, you know. And there's a bunch of mysterious murders that are happening, um, which just so happen to lead these head rights to members of the family. So, you know, you, you can see where that's going, um, and it's about, you know, uh, justice for these Native American people. It's about how this how this uh, this murders were allowed to happen, but also importantly, a, a key theme of the film and is very um, poignant in the ending is how this was a huge injustice. Nothing was done to stop this from happening. There was very little investigation into it. Afterwards, nothing really uh, came of it positive for the Osage Nation, and the Native Americans were a very oppressed people, um, historically and still today, from my knowledge. Um, but this film, um, one of the important things about it you need to know is that it's, an, it's three and a half hours long, and it is a dialogue-heavy slow film I, I would describe it as slow the first hour and a half i was really enjoying the film and then as it got further and further and i was thinking you know this needs to speed up now i, f- I kept thinking oh this is where it's going to end no we've got another hour to go and you keep thinking okay okay you know let, let's this is surely where it's going to end no this is where it's going to end no it, it just isn't going to happen it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and, and it doesn't really come to a climax or anything. It's it's almost building and building and building, but doesn't ever peak or doesn't ever like you know blow. Um, that is not a reference or a spoiler for the film, however. <laughs> but um, no, it. it oh, I don't even know if saying it, it builds is correct. Really, it kind of just stays at this one note. It's very good, but it stays at this one note consistently doesn't really build to much um and so you probably think you know what i'm saying is you know i, I didn't I, I was mixed on the film i didn't really enjoy it but no as soon as i came out of that screening i thought i would watch that again i, I understand like, it's, the ending made me realize okay i get this film now this film makes sense to me it's very well written it's the story is great very well acted visually it's a scorsese film it looks visually incredible every scene every shot um it's so interesting to watch and the thing i came to the conclusion is i thought maybe it was a bit too long but i wouldn't cut anything out of that film every scene every spoken word everything every camera movement is there for a reason and it's very important to the story and i wouldn't split this film into two parts that's not Right, I think this is a film where you need to watch the whole thing, watch all three and a half hours, and then you need to uh, let it sit, let it settle, and maybe if you watch it again in the future, I will not think I'd watch it again in the cinema, I'd watch it again at my home, and I'd pause it and have a break, because this is a very important story that people need to, to know about and need to watch and, and pay attention to. Um, but I think it almost is a bit inaccessible for a few people. A lot of people are not going to want to sit for three and a half hours with this film. But like Scorsese said many times about the state of cinema at the time, or at the moment, um, and this is reflected in his film, is he wants to go back to the old way of cinema. And this is very, you know, that sort of like early Scorsese type um, cinema, essentially. One thing that I noticed almost immediately is how the sound is, the sound is very like old school sound. It's like they've used an old microphone to record this, 
um, filming. And that's, it, at first it was it was different to my ears to understand and I couldn't understand what people were saying but eventually I got used to it, my ears acclimatised to it. And it was fine after that point. And I, I really appreciate that decision that they made for the film. And um, especially when you compare it to something like Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer did the same thing, but Christopher Nolan does it with uh, his sound mixing, where stuff, the sound. Oppenheimer never has a moment where there isn't any sound apart from the Trinity test, where there's no sound for about a minute and a half. But there's always some sort of music playing in the background, and that can drown out the audio sometimes. It's never about the quality of the audio. This was a quality not issue, it's a decision that they've made. Um, so some people will like it, some people won't. I happen to really enjoy it. Um, Lily Gladstone, Leonardo DiCaprio plays um, Ernest Burkhart, and he's great in it. He's um, a, a a former World War One cook who's returned, and he's got a bad back, and he can't you know can't do any sort of labour. So he's a cab driver. His uncle gets him a job as a cab driver, who's a very rich man on Osage land. And he um, he meets um, Lily Gladstone's character called Molly Burkhart or Molly Brown before they marry. There's a there's um, a little note for you. And um, Ernest Leonardo DiCaprio's uncle, who's Robert De Niro, who helps him helps him get the job as a, a cab driver, is kind of the mastermind of this whole plan of you know marrying people, marrying his family to these other Native American families, so they can take their head rights. When people mysteriously die, and it's a thriller, it's a crime thriller. You know, you're always uh, on the edge of your seat, thinking he's going to get caught. Are they not going to get caught? Um, I'll leave the conclusion of what happens to you if you hopefully go and see this film. I'd highly recommend it. So I think this film is one where you need to be cognizant and aware before you go and watch it that you know this is. All my, I almost want to describe it as a tough watch, but it's not a tough watch. It's it's something that, for me, was perfectly. I was perfectly fine sitting there watching it for that long. But again, I know other people won't be, um, and so I feel like this is the epitome of a, a film that will get a really high critic review, but the audience score will be very mixed. And that's nothing to do with the, the, the quality of the film. I don't think a film needs to be entertaining to be considered good. Um, you know, there's plenty of films that are written very well, have a very good story. Schindler's List has, is written very well, has a very good sh- a very good story. It's not exactly, you wouldn't describe it as entertaining, would you? That doesn't devalue it any more, any, at any point as a film. But I do think it's an interesting conversation you get into stuff like, uh, like, the Meg Two released this year. The Meg Two is a, is an occasionally entertaining film, but it's objectively not good in its writing or its dialogue or its cinematography. And so it's kind of how you weigh those things for yourself personally. Um, I can enjoy both, and I really enjoyed this film, and that's why I would give the Killers of I think the Killers of Flower Moon or Killers of the Flower Moon, sorry, is. One of my favourite Scorsese films. Um, I think my favourite Scorsese film. I don't think it comes. I don't think it, it surpasses um, Goodfellas for me. But this film is up there. Um, 
and I, it makes me, you know, I, I feel um, lucky that I was able to see it in the cinema, and I, I'm not going to have to just, you know, watch it um, in my home on a TV or pray that there's a re-release in the cinema. I'm glad that I've watched it, and I think you know people should take up this opportunity to watch it themselves, and it's so. Um, what's the word? It's so heartfelt, this film, and full of nuance that I think people who love Scorsese's films and people who love um, crime thrillers will really enjoy this film. And so I would give this film, on a scale of 10, probably a 9. Because I am cognizant of, you know, people might not enjoy it as much. And if this was just a review for myself, then I would give it a 10. However, this I'm conveying my review to you, and so that my my score needs to reflect what my thoughts on the film was, not just from my perspective, but from how I think you, the listener, would enjoy this film. So thank you for um, for listening to my first episode of um, the Silver Scene review. Um, extended extensive show or ex- uh, exterior show i guess you could you could describe it um there won't be one next week um i'm not in uh, in the position to record a podcast next week i've got too much to do but the week after we shall have another one another review i think it's friday five nights at freddy's next week or the week after i'm sorry in the next episode um so again thanks for listening um, and i hope you have enjoyed this show and I hope you will tune into the next show. Diol Tambrando i YYFM am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddilynu ar lein ac i arall ni wybod beth hoffech chi glywed nesaf ewch chi it's yyfm.com Thanks for listening to YYFM For more content like this to follow us online and to tell us what you want to hear more of visit it'syyfm.com